welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Upstairs in big church, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to be looking at, today begins a brand new sermon series. We're going to, I'm going to be preaching on the next four weeks through, I believe, September 11th. And you know, September 11th, we also have dinner for everybody afterwards, too. We're going to have a spaghetti luncheon. So we have a lot of meals coming up here. So on September 11th, all the way today, September 11th, I'm going to be preaching here on the, the making of a godly man, focusing on David. David was chosen by God to succeed Saul as the next king of Israel. And there's some characteristics of David's life that I think we can see in the scriptures. Because these next four weeks, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel 16, next week's chapter 17, then chapter 18, and chapter 19. Now, some of those chapters are really long, so we're going to have to do, I'll do abbreviated readings later on when we get closer to those, uh, those dates with that. But I tell you, these next few weeks, you will want to read ahead in, your, in the book of 1 Samuel. I want to give you background information on what is going on here with David. And this is important because David, the Bible tells us, was a man after the Lord's own heart. That is what he was known for. And we today, we want to have the same heart for the Lord as King David had. And it's possible. The Bible shows us how we can do it. But David is contrasted with the very first king of Israel. Let me give some background information on the contrast. Back at the beginning of the book of 1 Samuel, Israel was a nation, and they had these rulers called judges. In fact, the whole book of Judges is based on different leaders. Who are the judges? People like Deborah, Samson. Um, and then we come to Samuel. Samuel was the greatest of all the judges. And the whole story of judges, that, that was over a 400-year period. of just ups and downs of the good and the bad, of, uh, of the Israelites obeying and then disobeying the Lord, and the Lord would discipline them. But then Samuel, the Bible says, was the greatest of all the judges. But Samuel, in the book of 1 Samuel, he started to become an older man. And the people of, the king, uh, people of Israel, they looked around at the other nations, and all the other nations had kings. And the Israelites, they wanted to be like, they longed to be like the other nations. So they go to Samuel and said, Samuel, make us a king. Give us one. We want to be like the other nations. And Samuel warned them, says, no, you don't want a king. The day you get a king, you're going to get taxed. They're going to take all your sons and join the military. You're going to take your land, your property. It's just like today. It's just you lose everything you have when, you have a, when you're under a king. King takes what he wants, helps himself. It's all his. Big government. That's what you get with a king. Well, God, he, so Samuel's going to God, and he says, Lord, what do I do? These people are just complaining and whining that they want a king. All they want to talk about is king, 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 king. And, and finally, the Lord told Samuel, says, Samuel, they have not rejected you. Don't take this personal. They have rejected me 
as their God. They've rejected me, the Lord. God understood these people by wanting a king actually were rejecting the Lord, saying we want a human earthly king. So God was like, okay, you want a human earthly king? I'll give you one if that's what you want. But just you're going to suffer and there's going to be a great cost to it. So all of a sudden, Samuel calls the people. God's going to reveal to Samuel who the king is going to be. And his name is King Saul. And his, his presentation of being a king was incredibly awkward and strange. In fact, what happened, the Bible says when Saul was presented to the people, he was so shy, he went and was hiding in the luggage and in the supplies. So it's time to present Israel their new king. He's not even there. So the people look around and go, where's the king, Samuel? So God had to tell Samuel, it's like, hide and go seek. Well, he's back with the luggage and the supplies. You need to go find him. So you see, the Lord warned them, says, you want this guy, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a man who's shy, who is going to be, has great uh, shortfalls in leadership. And it's because you've rejected me. So they make Saul the king. Saul reigns over Israel 42 years. And the remaining 15 years of Saul's life, all he did was chase after David because he was so jealous and God had rejected him. He went 15 years in a circle trying to kill David. That's all he did. His last, he reigned for 27 years and chased David for 15 years. That was the reign of Saul. And he, he actually committed suicide is how he died at the end of 1 Samuel. He fell on his sword because the Philistines had overtaken him. And it was a sad reign. Saul was very self-centered. He was one who did not uh, seek after the Lord. He wanted, uh, I guess, power. He didn't want to give up his power. He wanted attention. It was all about him. He was very impatient, and we're going to see that. Here's how Saul was rejected. Because in many ways, Saul's rejection, it's set up for the ascension and the choosing of David. And for us, we learn a lesson with Saul. Look what it says. I, I, I put it on board. You don't have to turn there. This here is in your Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. What had happened here? You don't need to turn there. You'll see it on the scripture. This is Saul, the very first mention of the instance of a, a new king is going to come who's going to replace you, Saul. Saul was leading the Israelites to battle against these people called the Philistines. He was on a mount called Gildad, and, they, and Samuel said, you wait here for seven days, and then the Lord will tell you what to do. Saul's an impatient man. He was an angry man. He's a jealous man. So he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And the army was just, wasn't very dedicated. They start quitting. I mean, they're, they're losing troops here. They're, they're getting discouraged. They're losing folks over there. And Saul sees, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by the Philistines. Samuel says he's going to be here and make a sacrifice to the Lord. The, the army's walking away. I'm getting smaller and smaller. It's just a difficult, the Bible actually says it was a difficult situation. So Saul decides. He doesn't wait on the Lord. He doesn't obey the Lord. He decides, you know what, I'm just going to make the sacrifice myself. Samuel was the one who was supposed to do that, but Saul took the offering, took the fellowship offerings, and he went up on the mount and made a sacrifice to the Lord. 
The king was not supposed to do that. The moment he's walking down, lo and behold, here comes Samuel. Couldn't have timed it any better. Samuel walks up and goes, my goodness, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you making these sacrifices? You were supposed to wait on me. Saul looks at him and says, what am I to do? You weren't here. The people are leaving. I need to make a decision. I just, I got to, I had to call a shot. Just take, take control of the situation. And because of his disobedience to God, Saul was rejected as king. And here, here it is. I'm going to read it. It's up on the screen here. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. Samuel, after he realized the disobedience of Saul, this is the very first instance we see of David. He said to Saul, you have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. Saul does not realize he was this close to receiving a permanent reign. All the man had to do was obey the Lord. That's it. God would have brought the military victory. God would have answered the prayer. God was sending Samuel. Remember how the Lord would fight battles? Do you know how the Lord won all the battles in the Old Testament? It wasn't because Israel had great fighting skills. God actually, every time they fight the Philistines, the Philistines would get confused start killing each other. Literally, the Israelites are just standing around. They don't even do anything. The, the, the Lord fights his own battles where the people go. The enemies kill one another. And, and that's, God could have easily won this battle for Saul. But because of Saul's disobedience, he was this close to receiving his throne established forever. But because of his impatience, he didn't do it. He took, he took matters in his own hand. And he disobeyed the Lord, and he was supposed to allow Samuel to do that sacrifice to the Lord. He thought he could get God's blessing if he could just quickly throw that offering up and get, get something to happen, then go fight the Philistines. And it did not occur for them. What happened here and what can happen for us, we are in many ways so close to spiritual breakthrough, so close to answered prayer, so close to seeing God move in our lives and our hearts, but because of our impatience, but because we quit praying, or we quit coming to church, or we give up on the Lord, or whatever, we, we, get, we get the same thing, the same fall that occurred here to Samuel. It says in verse 14, But now your reign will not endure, Saul. The Lord has found a man after his own heart. Notice the Lord, he found him. He found this other man. So we're going to see who this other man is. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. He did not do what the Lord commanded. And that was to let Samuel come and make a sacrifice. And at that point, they would have received their instructions on how they could beat the Philistines. Saul didn't do it. And do you know when Saul was rejected, all he wanted, he was so, he had, he was such, he had such an ego. He was so self-centered. He asked Samuel, says, don't tell anybody that I've been rejected. In fact, honor me. Let me come up to the sacrifice with you. I just want to make sure we're seen together. He still wanted to hold on to any type of image he could maintain, even after the Lord had rejected Saul. 
That, that instance here in the Bible where it says, the Lord has found a man after his own heart. That is the first place in the Bible we see of David. God went and found this young man, and we're about to be introduced to him. So flip over in your Bible. If you're not there already, the first Samuel chapter 16. This is our main passage we're going to read this morning here. This is how David is anointed. And I want to give you background information on David. At this point, Saul has been rejected. He did a couple other disobedient things to the Lord. And Samuel is grieving because Samuel is the judge. He's the prophet. And he's realizing this king has been an utter failure. He does not listen to the Lord. He doesn't follow what the Lord wants. And then look what happens in verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to keep mourning for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? You know, in the, in, the Bible, in the time of Moses, the people just kept wandering around in a circle. And they would circle a mountain over and over and over again. And God came to them and says, how long are you going to keep circling this mountain? How long are you going to keep mourning? Listen, when something doesn't work, when something's the decision's been made, when sad things happen in your life, there comes a point where, Samuel, you've got to move on. It's over. There's nothing there. There's going to be a new chapter. There's going to be a new event. Yes, this occurred. Yes, this was an ideal. Yes, this was a setback. But the Lord is still Lord. He can take nothing and make something out of it. And that's why he, Samuel does understand. This, this kingship turned out to be a failure. And Samuel feels responsible. He's trying to pass off the mantle. The man he passed it off to dropped it. And then it broke. And so what are we doing? This mantle's just not getting passed. This isn't working. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected for myself a king from his sons. This is so important. Bethlehem is where a man named Jesse lived. Bethlehem is in the territory in the tribe of Judah. That is today where we get there were 12 tribes of Israel. Whenever you hear somebody talk about the Jews, they're talking about the fourth tribe named Judah, which the Jews come from. This little family, Jesse and all his eight sons, they were from this tribe of Judah in Bethlehem. This is why Jesus is Jewish. This was this is the bloodline of Jesus that's about to be chosen right here. This is a very significant event that's occurring in Scripture. We're going to Bethlehem, which is five or six miles south of Jerusalem. And God has told Samuel, there's a man there that you're going to anoint. But he doesn't know to anything about him except he's one of Jesse's sons. So here we go to Bethlehem. What's amazing about this, Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ is from the lineage of Jesse and David. Samuel asked God, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. And go, why would Saul kill him? Because Saul knows he's been rejected. Samuel has already said, somebody's coming behind you. There's a pipeline already in place. Saul, you're going to get replaced. 
So if Samuel were to show up and word gets news that we're anointing this new boy as the new king of Israel, what's Saul going to do? He's going to immediately send an army down there and kill the child. So there's a plan in place. The Lord answered in verse 2. Take a young cow with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll let you know what you are going to do. You are to anoint me, anoint for me the one I indicate you. Don't miss this, the symbolism with Jesus. Jesus was a sacrifice also that came out of Bethlehem. Jesus also is called the anointed one, who also, just like David, came out of Bethlehem. What Samuel is doing is occurring 1,000 years before the Messiah is born in Bethlehem. Notice the connection between Christ right here. Probably Samuel didn't realize it, but well, he's, he's, he's fulfilling prophecy by doing this. And it says they were to bring this sacrifice to Bethlehem because then that would occur because back in Bible times, if there had been an unintentional killing or there had been maybe a judgment against the city, the, uh, the judge or the prophet would show up and make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. So if word got to Saul saying, hey, there's been a sacrifice, Samuel went to Bethlehem and made a sacrifice, Saul probably thought, oh, somebody died, something happened, there was some wickedness that went on. That would have been more normal to show up in a town and have a sacrifice, a special worship service, a memorial service there in the little city, in the community. But not only are they making a sacrifice, it's also a time of an anointing. And it goes on to say here, Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, Do you come in peace? Why would they tremble? Because first of all, Samuel is the, he is the prophet of Israel. He's the spiritual leader. Yet he, they would also know that means there's been some type of sin, there's some type of judgment that's going to be, uh, take place. This would be like, all of a sudden, you're at home with your large family and all your eight boys, and there's a knock on a door, and there's a judge standing there in his black robe and the police. And you go, whoa, whoa, what's, what's going on around here? Do you come in peace? Like somebody going to jail? Like why is the judge and the police and police call? What's, well, they're wondering what's going on. It's just not normal for that to happen. So they're, they're hesitant to see this, to see the prophet, the judge, Samuel, stand there. In peace, Samuel said, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So at this point, Bethlehem is a small little village. It's not a big town. Everybody in the community would know Samuel's there. This is a public event. The elders of the town know. Jesse and his boys know. Mama knows. We're very aware of the situation that the prophet has come to Bethlehem. And then it says, so they're going to the sacrifice. They're sacrificing a young bull. And God is going to make a special revelation of the new king of Israel. And it says here, verse 6, when they, when they arrived, that's the sons, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly 
the Lord's anointed one is here before him. Meaning, this fine young man, he's tall, he's the oldest. They would look at Eliab and go, he's got to be the one. Samuel's looking on the outside. And this next verse is the key verse for this morning. The Bible says in verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Eliab has been rejected. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. God is looking through Eliab's heart and says, No, Samuel, you think he's the one, but he's not. I'm going to make this decision, and Samuel, I'll let you know. And then it keeps on going here. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. Samuel said, then Jesse presented Shemua. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel, or to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Yesterday I was reading our local newspaper and had a picture on the sports section of the four quarterbacks for Kentucky's football team. Had Will Levis, and then went and said, who's going to be second, third, fourth string? Because nowadays in sports, you have to have a good second, third, fourth string because everybody gets hurt all the time. So you have to have a deep bench in sports, always. If you're second string, you have a high likelihood to be playing sports. Well, this would be like, you know, football season is like a week and a half away from starting. Be here very soon. High school football's already started. It's like Coach Mark Stoops of the Wildcats. The Lord is going to reveal to him who the starting quarterback is going to be. And we present those four starters right there at Kroger Field, lined up, and we're going to make the presentation. And Coach Stoops knows it's going to be one of these men who will be selected to be the starter. And then one by one, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, we have a problem. And then... The coach looks at the other players, or the other coaches says, are there like a fifth string? Is there anyone else? Is this all the quarterbacks we have? Is this it? Like, these guys just all got rejected. But the Lord told me there's going to be somebody here. He said, yeah, the fifth string walk-on, he's actually parking the cars out at the orange lot. That's what it would be like. So the fifth string, he didn't even get inside the field. He didn't even receive an invitation. He's so far down the line, he didn't get to join the rest of the QBs on the presentation. So Samuel knows because the Lord has told him. And he believes the Lord. One of these sons, so I'm only seeing seven, that means there's a missing son somewhere. Someone isn't being accounted for. And so I bet Samuel confidently stood there saying, Jesse, you're hiding someone from me. We got to keep shopping these boys because we're not done here. Look what he says here in verse 11. Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Come on now, we know there's one more. And there is. Look at this. There is still the youngest. Yeah, there's one more. He's in the orange lot. He's out back. He's in the sound booth. He's in the nursery. He's 
He's teaching children's church right now. He's working the parking lot. He's not in the sanctuary. He's not here at the sacrifice. He's not with us. He's somewhere else serving, doing something else. He's not at this special ceremony we've got going on right now. And the Bible tells us here, Samuel said, he told Jesse, he says, or, or Jesse said, but right now he's out tending the sheep. David is first introduced as a shepherd. The first comment we see, he is the shepherd. The Bible tells us about David. I want to tell you about what he did. David, his greatest psalm he ever wrote is in Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Do you know Jesus in the book of John is told, we are told he is the good shepherd. That's in the lineage of David. David at this point was 15 years old. He was a young teenager. Is anybody here 15 years old? Oh, I see one person. Didn't raise their hand, but Mama pointed to them. Pointed to them. Uh, could you imagine at 15 years old, that's about what, ninth grade at Dunbar High School, being anointed the king of Israel? Could you imagine, I mean, you're 15, you think, I'm the, I've been selected, I've been chosen? That's, that's what's going on right now. David is the youngest of all the boys. He's in the pasture. Yet Samuel calls for him. He did not receive his invitation. He was forgotten about. Dad didn't even bring him in. The brothers didn't even say, oh, by the way, we've got one more. I mean, he's just, he's just there with the sheep, forgotten about. Yet that's the one the Lord chose. The one that all the other people are looking at outward appearance. God is saying, I look at his heart. And he says, we won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Samuel, Samuel's a bold man. He's just going to stand there. We're not sitting down to eat. Nobody's having a bite of food. We're going to stand right here until this boy from the pasture comes here because God's about to do something. So then they just stand there. I bet that was somewhat awkward, but we just stood there with Samuel and we're going to bring in the rest of the family. Do you see how the Lord is presenting this young man who's part of the lineage of Jesus presented as a shepherd. Jesus also shepherds our lives. He is in this, this genealogy. So Jesse sent for him. And then David arrives. The Bible says he had beautiful eyes and he's healthy. That word healthy can translate uh, ruddy, which means red. Do we have any redheads here? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, we do. One hand went up. Two hands went up. David was a redhead. So you're right in line with David. David here was ruddy, and he had a handsome appearance. So you looked at this man. He's a good-looking guy, smooth skin, not really somebody you would think. It's like, that's the king? Like, that's just, you know, he looks like he needs to be in an Instagram post or something. Just, he just doesn't look like someone you would expect for your king of Israel, a warrior type. That's what they imagined. That's what they were expecting, but not David. The Lord said to Samuel, anoint him, for he's the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil 
and anointed. So they're pouring at a public event, pouring the horn of oil on David's head. He man comes out of the pasture and gets anointed. He probably has no idea what's even going on. He walks in the pasture thinking it's dinner time. Says it's not just dinner time. Congratulations, you're the new king of Israel. That's what it was just told. He walks up, there's Samuel, like, wow, what a day. In the presence of his brothers, and look at this, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. That was his hometown. And this was somewhat probably awkward. David is right here on his knees, getting anointed by the, by the Lord, by the, by the judge Samuel. He stands up. They clap, probably has some jealous brothers. Here's the presentation, and what do they do? They go back to work. They went back to the pasture. Dad went back to work. The brothers went back to the fields. That's just what they did. It's kind of like coming to church on a Sunday. You have a phenomenal worship experience. Then what do you do on Monday? You go to work, go to school. And the next 15 years of David's life, I want to tell you about David. David. The next chapter, David faced Goliath. The Bible says here he was filled with power and strength, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. When he went to go fight, fight off the Goliath, the giant, do you know his qualifications for fighting? He walked up, and he heard the, the Goliath was using the Lord's name in vain. And he think, why would we allow this uncircumcised Philistine put down our God? Hey, listen, guys, I have killed, a, because, you know, 15-year-olds don't have a resume. His resume, I have killed a bear and a lion. And if I can kill a bear and a lion, I'm going to go kill Goliath. That's what he literally said. And I said, okay, good luck, boy. Here's some armor. Go, go get him. If you've killed a bear and a lion. And then after the killing a bear and a lion, after killing Goliath, he was on the run from King Saul for 15 years. Saul chased him around Israel, but he could never kill him because the Lord was with him and protected him. Young David had characteristics of being a godly man. Most importantly, verse 7 gives it away. He was a man after the Lord's own heart. In illustrating this, I'll tell you in the verses, he illustrates this in closing here. Psalm 122, David wrote, because he wrote much of the Psalms, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David loved to worship the Lord. David spent his days in the pasture. God made, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God made an eternal covenant with David that his house will last and reign forever. Because David wanted to build God a temple, a house for the Lord. He says, no, David, I'm not gonna, I don't need you to build me a house. In fact, David, I'm going to build you a house, and your house is going to be everlasting. It's an eternal house. It will never end. And that's how it continued all the way through Jesus. And we today are saved through the house of David. Because Jesus Christ, our Savior, he is from David. That is an eternal covenant he made with David. And what's powerful about this, David had a love for the Lord that he never gave up. Never do we see 
David. David sinned, and he had shortcomings. But his passion and desire for the Lord throughout, from his early days from being a shepherd, all the way to his death, was faithful to the end. Even when David sinned with Bathsheba, he committed adultery. In Psalm 51, verse 10, he cries out to God, God created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. May the Lord restore me. I want your steadfast spirit again. Don't take it away. Cleanse my heart. David said in Psalm 81, Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name of all the earth. Who have you set your glory above the heavens? David saw in the shepherds on those same fields that two, a thousand years later, the angels would come and make a pronouncement that, hey, a, a baby is born in Bethlehem. Those same fields those shepherds heard about Jesus being born, David was standing right there gazing at the stars. I share this story about David. David had characteristics that we can take and put in our life to be a godly man. And here's the main one. David had a, a heart after the Lord. He loved God. He was a God-centered man. The man he succeeded, Saul, is the contrast. He was selfish. He was impatient. He wanted to do what he wanted. He was filled with jealousy and anger. David and Saul are the opposite. The shortcomings of Saul were fulfilled with David, were replaced. But what's amazing for David, he had to go through this journey of pain, of being on the run, of being sought after, of constantly trying to be killed. But David constantly had a commitment to the Lord. He did not have fear. He did not live in fear. He surrendered his life to the Lord. And I'm asking you this morning, have you done the same? The making of a godly man, the making of a godly woman starts by having a heart above anything else that seeks the Lord. David had this heart. David is an example for us to say, no matter if I'm not even invited to the party, if I'm not even in the building, if I'm still out in the fields, no matter what I'm doing, Lord, I'm yours. I live for you. Lord, I wake up and I'm happy to be able to come to church. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad unto it. David wrote those words. So every day was a day, a gift from the Lord that he can worship and honor him. This morning I ask you, is your heart after the Lord? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Does Christ live in your heart? Jesus is from the house, from the lineage, and from the eternal kingdom of David. Understand what happens right here. God chose Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. God saw his disobedience. Cut it off. He says, you're not, you're, you're, your family, your reign's going to end. I'm choosing a new tribe, a new man. God chose David, son number eight, from the tribe of Judah. And says, you're going to be the one. And today, every time you meet someone who claims they're Jewish, it goes back to right there. Because God, God chose David, who was from the tribe of Judah, and that's why we call them Jews, 
Jesus was from that tribe. This break occurred and is so significant because why? David had a heart after God. And we want to do the same. God is looking in your heart and he's saying, I don't look what man's, I don't look what man sees. I want men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, college students that have a heart after the Lord. Is your heart this morning after the Lord? I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to respond here, or invitation. I'm going to invite Zach Bauer to come stand up here with me. I want to tell you, if you want to give your heart, heart to Jesus, if you want to respond to the Lord, we do this publicly. Say, why don't we do it publicly? Jesus here tells us, he calls us publicly. David was anointed publicly. He was in front of all his brothers and all the people there in Bethlehem. And he became the young 15-year-old king. But he didn't get the It took him 15 years. He was 30 years old when he ascended to the throne. But he was anointed when he was 15. God might save you, or God will save you when you are 15. But in many ways, you might not see the answers to your prayer until later. God took, takes the challenges that we go through. And he, as you're going through those challenges, going through those dark, difficult days that David went through, he maintained his commitment in his heart for God. I'm asking you this morning to give your heart to God. We're going to stand together. Beecher's going to lead us in her song. I'm going to be standing up front here with David. You respond to give your life to Jesus this morning.